Welcome to the very latest bolt from the Blue Podcast. Uh, we're here to talk about a number of different items, principally the FA Community Shield uh, final between ourselves and Leicester City, but there's a number of other matters that we're going to touch on as well. And to help us do that, we've got the two usual suspects. First of all, Ray from City Fan TV. How are you doing, Ray? Hey, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. We, we had. We've got the pre-season, the final pre-season friendly out of the way and the real action, the real action starts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've also got, of course, uh, Colin Savage, a.k.a. Presswitch Blue. How are you doing, Colin? Me, good for a Monday. But again, like Ray, looking forward to the real football season starting. Indeed, indeed. So uh, we can't avoid it uh, because it's the, the biggest uh, thing that's happened recently. So we lost 1-0 to Leicester City with an 89th minute penalty scored by our old player Ian Acho. And uh, we got a look at um, a fairly full strength, actual, actually Leicester City team. And a um, bit of a scratch Man City side, two teenagers in there. Um, all right, let's talk about it, Ray. Give us your impressions. That's kind of what I expected. Um, we... Like you said, we had two kids who started the game and most of the other players would not make our first team. And I, I said throughout last season, when you put our second string players together, they're not very good. Now, some people say, oh, no, you know, they're all, a lot of good players and, you know, they, they, they might even finish in the top four. The thing is, each individual player, if they were surrounded by first team players, would look good because... The rest of the team looks so good. We'll have so much more possession, so much um, many more opportunities. Um, uh, players make better runs uh, and things like that. But when you put these people together, it, it just doesn't work. And I think that was another game where we, re- it, you know, at times it, we didn't know what we were doing. So um, it's going to be a lot of change. But on the other hand, you know, some players only came back today. You know, the England players only came back today. Foden's still out, uh, KDB still out, um, other players, I don't even think uh, Gabriel Jesus is back yet, so it's going to be interesting, and maybe two or three players who played on um, the weekend will actually feel again, feature against Spurs, but wouldn't be in our first team. Mm. This, uh, I'm just looking at this lineup then, um, uh, Colin, so we had... Uh... Zach Steffen, um, who I thought acquitted himself pretty well, all things considered. You had uh, Cancelo at right back uh, instead of Walker, Ruben Diaz. You had no John Stones or Laporte, but you had Nathan Ake there. And uh, 
at uh, left back was uh, Benjamin Mendy. Then in midfield, uh, Fernandinho anchoring with uh, Cole Palmer and Gundogan. And up front, you had Mares, uh, Ferran Torres, and Fan Dabi Dozi. Sorry, uh, Idozi. Okay. Um, I just love that line on. Uh, I, I don't know who made that crack on on Twitter. I don't know if it was you, Colin, that said, wouldn't it have been great if his mum had called him Fandab? Um, <laughs> it wasn't me, that one. <laughs> for his for, for his first name, you get Fandabby Dozy. But uh, that was the lineup. Um, <clears throat> uh, so uh, what did you think, Colin, uh, and particularly what did you think about that first half? Well, the first half, as Ray said, I mean, um, it was a bit... Um, it, it wasn't City, was it? I mean, uh, partly, of course, it was... Everyone rusty coming back from the summer break. Probably some players, you know, who played and are tired. Uh, even now, you know, not had enough of a break. Um, the side was disjointed. The passing was disjointed. The runs weren't being made. Uh, yeah, everything, really. I mean, we looked very, very disjointed all in all in that first half. Not like a City side would expect. By contrast, uh, Ray Leicester looked really up for it. Here's their lineup, and it was quite a quite good. So they had um, starting in the opposite way. They had Jamie Vardy supported by Harvey Barnes and uh, Madison and Ayosi Perez, uh, Tielemans and Ndidi, uh, and then at the back Pereira and Marty uh, Soyuncu looked very much like one of the uh, three Musketeers there. Uh, Ryan Bertrand and uh, Schmeichel. So that's a pretty strong team and. And uh, they were up for this, weren't they? Uh, absolutely. I think they're probably uh, a week or two ahead of us in their preparation. Um, you know, I don't think they had as many players get to uh, the final stages of um, the European competition or playing in South America or anywhere else. So they've had, I think, a little bit more rest generally and a bit more recuperation and uh, a little bit more pre-season than us so they, they were more up for it and it's probably eight or nine first teamers maybe more uh, that started that game um, and players who are going to be fighting for their starting slots you know when the season starts so I think they were like you say more up for it than City. Well did you think that City were lucky to get to uh, half time at nil nil? Well uh, we were weren't we because um, Zach Stefan had to make that uh, save with his the tips of his toes or something and um, uh, deflected, just deflected the ball onto the post and Leicester looked, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Leicester were great, but they looked a damn sight better than us in that first half and uh, yeah, we were lucky to lucky to go in nil-nil really I think, but we didn't have we didn't make anything. Yeah, Ray, I mean I, I was quite impressed by, by uh, Zach Stefan, um, what did you reckon? Um <laughs> I said this before, I don't think he's ever going to be a number one choice for City. I don't think he's going to put too much pressure on uh, Edison because Edison, I, I just think with his feet, with his calmness, he's miles ahead of Zach Stefan. Now, Zach Stefan may turn out to be a better shot stopper, but that's not what City are after. They want that distribution. And uh, Edison makes far fewer mistakes and he's got a much wider range of passing as well. Uh, whether it's around the back or long-range passing. And I think that's going to be the difference. I don't think Zach Stefan did too, too badly. And he did one really poor pass in the first half to a Villa player. Um, he made a couple of decent saves. Um, 
one that was it straight at him so you'd expect him to save that i think he pushed one ball around the post where he wasn't sure where his post was the ball was going wide but i think overall he did all right but he never he doesn't convince me that he's going to be good enough with his feet to, to ever make it at city I, I personally think he'll do this season maybe next season and then he'll be gone well we've got to talk about the 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 two youngsters uh, from the guardian uh, we get a bit of background information first of all on Cole. Cole Palmer. So he <clears throat> operates normally as an attacking midfielder and a, and a striker, born in Withenshaw. Being at City since uh, under eight level, uh, he made the bench uh, uh, four times and uh, stayed with the squad, the first team squad from the start of 2021 season. Made his first team debut in the Carabao Cup against Burnley back in September. And then we had Sammy Dozy. We apparently signed him from Millwall in July 19 as a scholar, and he's impressed with his pace and trickery. Uh, joined the EDS squad in the 2021 season, and uh, capable of playing both right and left wing. Okay, so Colin, uh, did any of those two um, make m- much of an impression on you? Um, no, I mean they had done in some of the pre-season games, particularly Doze. But both of them looked a bit um, overawed by Wembley, to be honest. And um, I don't think they made the same impression that they'd made in the games against um, Preston, Blackpool and Barnsley that they played in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adozi looks um, a very sharp player, looked a very creative player. Um, but, you know, we didn't see much from him. But then we didn't see much from any of the City players. So, you know, I'm not going to hold that against him particularly. What, did you, think, Greg? Yeah. what did you think, Greg? Um, yeah, look, Colin's right. I mean, you know, we're playing a decent side here, not you know, championship level football. We're playing a decent side in, in Leicester, finished fifth in the last two seasons. They won the FA Cup, beating Chelsea. Um, so, you know, they, they do, they're doing all right. Um, I thought in the first half, they were both, they didn't really um, show as much. I think, especially with the doors, I remember him trying some trickery, some skills, and it might work at under an 18 or under 23 level, but, it, you know, these Leicester players are a step higher and uh, he, he struggled uh, to disguise what he was doing. Second half, I think he was he was better, he's a little sharper, um, better uh, passing with Mendy. Um, I think he'll do, like I said earlier, players will do better when you've got top players around them. You know, if Idols was on the wing and we had Harry Kane in the middle, for argument's sake, or... Some, you know, Sterling, let's say, as a false nine. We had um, uh, Zinchenko behind him. We had Gundogan and KDB there. I think Adozi would would have looked better because he'd have had more time. Um, because people like KDB will draw people, um, you know, opposition players towards them. Uh, it'll give Adozi a bit more time and space. So, but I think the the kids. I mean, Adozi was he eighteen and Cole Palmer's nineteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. They'll learn so much. They're going to learn so much from uh, this game. And they know they have to keep working hard. They need to do that to improve. The disappointment for Adorzi for me is he scored three goals in three games. He And, you know, and I'll mention this about Torres as well. This was an audition for the Spurs game. I really think this could be an audition because, you know, some of the England players are only coming, only came back today. We're recording this on Monday night. So they only came back today. Uh, did John Stones, I think Sterling and, and Walker. And unless players are 100% ready, 
for the Spurs game, you know, they won't start. So there's there's a possibility. Um, Foden's injured, so you know, that's uh, someone out, out, out of the left. Jesus isn't knocking about, um, and there's Grealish, and, and who's only just you know uh, had one training session with the lads. So there's a chance it does. He could, I don't think, start, but he would have been on the bench, you know. And a goal from him and a sparkling performance, you know, when you're a youngster, you have to show it on the training field, and when you're given your chance with the first team, you've got to really show it, um, and. You know, this was like an, an audition um, for, for the kids and for Torres as well. And I don't think any of them stepped up. Mm-hmm. Now, a full capacity crowd was permitted in uh, in Wembley Stadium for this game. But I don't know, Colin, was that was that sort of half full, maybe, or three quarters full? It looked about half full, didn't it? Um, mm. Half, two thirds full, maybe. Um, I think one of the issues was that... Um, uh, from Manchester point of view, train travel down to London was severely disrupted, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people on holiday. I don't know. I, I, a lot of people, I think, are still nervous about going back to games. I th- yes, I think so. And um, definitely, it looked like Leicester had the better of that um, of that first half. I, th- I thought it was quite congested midfield uh, Ray. Um and Madison Tielemans pretty much pulling the strings. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, they had too much time, too much space, uh, passing the ball very too easily to Harvey Barnes uh, on their left. We didn't have the cover, we didn't have the support um, to actually do anything to uh, help Cancelo. In, and so it was it was difficult. Uh, and uh, they had, I think, two or three uh, half chances fr- from that side. So, uh, and Pep really didn't seem to do anything about it. I think. He was kind of. It felt like he was just waiting until we got a bit more control of the game, which we did in the second half, and then that would negate some of the uh, impacts of, of Leicester uh, on their left. Um, but yeah, they they were the better, definitely the better side in the first half. Yeah, Colin, I thought um, Mares was very uh, prominent without being uh, without you know much of an end product, but um, uh, he was getting dogs abused from the Leicester fans, like, you know, what is it, years, two years later? Uh, did that surprise you? Uh, well, no, no, sadly, no. <laughs> um, you know, like, we we could have given dogs abuse to Inacho or Kasper Schmeichel or someone, I don't know. But, um, no, I mean, it doesn't surprise me particularly. I mean, all right, he'd have won a, he'd have won a, he'd have won a title at Leicester, he'd have won an FA Cup if he'd stayed, but... You know, it's just, perhaps city, city fans were a bit different, but, you know, we didn't, James Milner got a bit of a kick in occasionally, but we don't tend to blame, well, we don't tend to blame players who move on, but we don't, of course, get many players who do move on uh, in the prime of their careers. Leroy, if, even if Leroy Sané came back, um, I think he'd get a good welcome. Um, we've seen it before. Uh, obviously, Pablo Zabaleta's a cult hero. He got a fantastic welcome. But, you know, we don't, tend to very rare that we um you know abuse a returning player so why they should feel that they need to boo maras i'm not sure of course they boo Grealish as well don't they just to, yeah. well yeah. I, they just need, need an excuse to boo somebody but I, I i i understand it because in some respects because of the way he left that he went on strike <laughs> to force the move and you know apparently said he wasted two years of, uh, of his career after he won the league <coughs> rest of his time at Leicester was a waste. It works swings and roundabouts. You know, players want to move on. 
Uh, I'm sure Claudio Ranieri wanted, would have liked to have stayed a little bit longer at Leicester, but they booted him out once they thought things weren't going well within a few months after he'd won the league title. So there's no loyalty either way. Um, you know, and Mares wasn't there because he grew up dreaming of playing for Leicester. Uh, you know, he's, he's there to uh, in, initially to play in the Premier League, gain some good money. And, and but you know, most footballers have no strong allegiance to the club they're playing for. And if some better opportunity comes along, whether it's financial or um, chance of winning trophies, then a lot of the players are just going to move on and take it. So I understand why why he moved on. I understand why the Leicester fans are a little bit aggrieved, but it's time, you know, at some point they need to grow up and mm-hmm. just let it go. It's in the past, let it go. Well, so uneventful uh, was that first half that a lot of the talk on uh, on Twitter and social media was about City's new um, away shirt. What did you think of it, Colin? It's a nice shirt, isn't it? I mean, um, Puma have done some uh, great shirts. Uh, unfortunately, it tends to be the away shirt or the third shirt. But yeah, it's a really nice, it's a really interesting, it's a really standout shirt, isn't it? I think, mm-hmm. for me anyway. Shirts are a, um, it's a personal thing, isn't it? Some people like like them, some people don't. And uh, I, I like that away shirt. It's one I would consider buying, yeah. Yeah, is that going to be in your collection, Ray, do you think? Um, no, I, I decided, uh, unless something is truly outstanding, I'm not giving, you know, I've, I've had a bit of a, Thought I'm not going to give City too much more money for for now. Um, I bought I bought too many shirts. You know, every season I buy probably a, a couple of shirts, two or three shirts. Um, I think last season I bought the away shirt. Last season I bought one of the training kits. Uh, I remember uh, buying a hoodie. Um, you know, I I buy you know plenty of stuff, but I I just think you know in the last eighteen months my views of on football of, of it, 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 it feels they've changed drastically, and so I'm not. No, I, I, I won't go. I've already decided not to go to away games this season, so I've given up my platinum. Uh, I think Colin knows my thoughts about that. It's uh, you know it, it, we got to a stage where you've got to pay either platinum, gold, or night three twenty membership to get away tickets, basically, um, and all the points I've accumulated over the time. They. I'll still be behind somebody who's on one of the who's got one of those tickets who's paid an extra whatever fifty quid. So um, don't agree with that. So and, I, and plus I'm, I'm doing more um, now that you know we're allowed to do a bit of work. I'm doing a bit more work. So I've decided not to go to as many uh, away games in football. It's, it's it has changed. You know, for me, some people are just you know, I, I haven't been back yet. So that's going to be interesting because. Um, I wasn't at Wembley uh, for this game. I'm still in France, so it's going to be an interesting experience. But I think it's it's changed um, quite drastically for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, as we mentioned, it, did, it finished nil nil at uh, halftime. Really, the the major inc- incident happened right at the uh, uh, almost uh, at the whistle with uh, Vardy hitting the post. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, Stefan. Uh, Got a good hand on that, and uh, uh, Pep was looking pretty uh, fuming, uh, to be honest. And so uh, we were expecting uh, a change, uh, not necessarily in personnel, but certainly uh, a different attitude in the second half. And uh, 
there seemed to be um, uh, a different performance from City, Colin, in the second half. Yeah, it was. Uh, we looked much sharper. We were pressing better. We were we were playing more of a unit. We still weren't creating a huge amount, but um, it was definitely a different a- approach in the second half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think, Ray? I mean, there was some early flashes from uh, Idozi, and yeah. uh, they, looked, they looked different. No, in that second half when we started, um, we had quite a few chances. Um, there was a Maris free kick, which I think I'm going to mention his name a lot now, where I think he should have done better. There was a through ball to Maris where um, there was a mistake by the Leicester player and he, Maris was put clean through uh, just inside the Villa, uh, Villa half. He was running through. He just didn't have the legs. Um, and it, it should have been a one-on-one, but um, he didn't have the legs and he was caught. And then Gundogan had a shot inside the, the box, which I think he should have done better with. They should have at least hit the target from about 15 yards. And then uh, Mahrez had another opportunity where I think he could have passed it. I think it was Cole Palmer on his right. I think he could have passed it to him and to put him through. But he decided to go in the box himself, take it on himself. Um, and he ended up, I think he got tackled. I, I always say in those situations, if you're going to be greedy, you better score. Otherwise, you know, you, you'll get, um, you, you deserve to get the brickbats if, you, if you're going to be greedy. So we did create a lot of half chances at the start of that second half. And uh, the, that probably was our, our best period. And we really should have scored with one of them, I think. There were half chances. There were nothing really clear. But I think we should have scored with one of them. Yeah, and I think uh, most people were, you know, calling out for a Grealish to, to come on so we could get a look at him. And uh, that happened on the 65th minute. So out, out he comes. And um, it's quite interesting. Um, they, they were actually uh, showing little uh, shots of uh, kids in the crowd who were copying his hairstyle with, uh, with the Alice band. And it's quite funny because if you saw all of his, um, his press photographs, it looked like he'd got a, you know, a, a pretty... Um, short haircut but he, it, it just must be the uh the 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 gel or the the styling products that they they used to gave give him that that kind of appearance because he came alice band on you know the the sort of curtain style um you know a uh, haircut and Michael, uh, you, do, you do realize that colin and myself are quite lacking in the hair department uh, and you spent a one minute eulogizing <laughs> over jack's grinch's locks uh, well, that just shows you. I mean, there, there was the, the guy, lot, you know, but... no emotional intelligence at all. Uh, no. <laughs> well, the, the, the match was that bad that you're spending a minute talking about Jack Grealish's hairstyle. <laughs> anyway, we got to look at Adam for about what was it, 25 minutes, uh, Ray? What did you? Was was there anything really to 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 note? Um, about? Look, look, he was all right. You know, he. Had a couple of runs at, at the defenders. I, I like his style. It's the right, right word, laconic. He's, he's very casual, and I like his ability to, you know, to kind of drag that ball along with him. And if he feels like it, go try and take the player on, or in a, almost a similar fashion, um, pass it inside to somebody else. So in you know in the same kind of movement. So the defender doesn't know whether he's going to tr- take him on or pass it. So that that was intriguing. Um, it, it was a little bit exciting, you know. I mean, it's it's been a while since uh, um, a player has got me that excited. Leroy Sane used to 
you know, when he got the ball, he used to get up and and, and watch, you know, and, and get excited by what he was going to do. And I think Jack Grealish has uh, similar characteristics, um, same as Phil Foden, but I think Jack Grealish is he's a little bit more unpredictable at the moment. So, um, you know, I think once again with better players around him, he'll have more space, more time, more opportunity to make, uh, you know, a good run himself or a good pass and uh, you know you know you can't make your mind up after just um, 25 minutes he's going to need several games so I had one training session with the lads give him a bit of time and you know let's uh, reevaluate the situation in a, in a few weeks time what did you think Colin yeah well we'll see you know what we know is it takes a, a while to fit into a pep system but as I've always said I think Jack Grealish is almost the ideal player for for pep because he seems to understand that um, the way Pep plays, he seems to understand where, where he needs to be, what he needs to do. And, um, you know, w- when the full team gets up to steam, then, yeah, I think he'll, he'll make a great contribution. And I think he will do that early rather than later. He won't need a season to settle in, I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Well, I was getting a, a bit hopeful, uh, guys, because about, what was it, five or six minutes later, uh, Brendan Rodgers decided more or less to change the whole team, starting off with uh, four changes. So off went uh, Ayosi, Perez, Vardy, Madison and T. Lemons. On comes All Brighton, um, one of Ray's uh, favourite players, Pat Sandaka, mm-hmm. uh, and then someone called Dewsbury Hall, and, uh, and then Sumari, who was another one of their uh, signings. Um, what difference did that make? I, I thought then that City would really, you know, take control. It didn't really happen though, Ray. No, I've got to be honest. It was a bit disappointing that, you know, City had, um, you could argue, strengthened. You know, we I think taking a dozy off and got Grealish on. Uh, so that definitely strengthened. I can't remember the second sub off the top of my head that we did early on. Um, and uh, so... I I, th- yeah, I think we took Gundogan off, didn't we? Um, but I, I thought we'd take over because they were... You could argue putting less experienced players on. We were putting more experienced players on. Um, but we, we just didn't. We didn't gel. We didn't take advantage of that. And actually, they started to look more dangerous. You know, Patson Dakar, you know, he's looking at the situation where you've got Vardy. He's, he's the number one, even though he's 34. You've got to hear Nacho and Dakar. And if you're only going to play one up front, who's it going to be? Well, Dakar's really got to impress. So, I think he, he worked hard, ran ran hard, and when Iheanacho came on, he did the same. They were both working very hard. Um, and as you say, it's it disappointing that City weren't the team to step up, but it, it felt more like Leicester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, City made uh, two subs in, in response to that. Uh, Cole Palmer uh, comes off, Bernardo Silva uh, comes on, and uh, Ferran Torres, who was pretty anonymous, I thought, um, was replaced with... Um, Ben Knight, I uh, don't want to talk too much more about uh, um, haircuts, but that was an interesting one. <laughs> Peroxide tips and everything, Ben Knight. Um, uh, what did oh, you think? It, looked, it looked like he had a porcupine on his head. <laughs> it was getting difficult because we've got, we've got Concello with the, with the peroxide hair, haven't we? We've got Ben Mendy. Okay, with all due respect, it's easy to tell uh, that it's Ben Mendy, but... When you're getting all these players in, you know, with the peroxide blonde, and it's 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 going to be difficult when Foden comes back, and he, if he's got white or you know yellow hair, it's going to make more difficult to to tell players apart. 
I know. I I, I, I didn't recognise Cancelo quite a lot. Um, so you've got Cancelo, you've got Foden, you've got Riyad Mahrez all dyeing their 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 hair blonde. I mean, I, I know this sounds like three old fogies, but you know, I just you know, footballers are are so predictable. Really, you've got your you've got to have your tattoos, you've got to have your blonde hair and your trophy girlfriend. Um, and you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing computer games basically. Someone That's, told me, someone told me this quite a few, probably about 15 years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago, I was playing in a, a friendly game at Wiggins Training Ground, and I had white boots. And the, one of the old fellas, he's, you know, I was, uh, in, I was probably late 30s uh, uh, then, and a guy in his 40s said, 40 said to me. He said, you better be good in those boots, otherwise you're going to get a kick in. And that's what I think about these guys with the blonde hair. <laughs> you know, they better be good otherwise. In the old days, they'd have got booted up and down the park. <laughs> Obviously, you can't get away with it now, but you've you got to be good if you're going to, if you're going to uh, dye your hair blonde. I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Could you imagine, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, coming on with white boots and, and dyed hair against the likes of Terry Butcher and Tony Adams? Um, that would basically, you know, you'd you, you'd be leaving in a, on a stretcher probably by halftime. But anyway, on it continued. Uh, more subs uh, for Leicester. Ryan Bertrand came off and, and was replaced by someone called Luke Thomas. And uh, obviously Ian Acho came on uh, ominously. Uh, I, I think he replaced uh, Harvey Barnes. Um, and so on we go. Uh, it, the sun finally came out. It was raining up a storm um, uh, at one point. And uh, basically, from there to the end, there was still a threat from Mares, but he, he, he'd run out of gas, I think. You saw that a couple of times, you know, um, just uh, just um, running out of running out of, of puff. Uh, and um, there's more good goalkeeping from Stefan, um, especially... Uh, uh, one particular uh, block against uh, Dhaka, but uh, then came uh, the penalty. Now, um, what was disappointing for me was I was watching and I was also looking at Twitter at the same time, and uh, Iheanacho, um was uh, brought down by Nathan Ake. Now, up until that point, Colin, I thought Ake looked really composed, really uh, solid, uh, but... After that moment, um, everyone on Twitter basically did a pylon and said that, uh, you know, that he had to go and he was a second rate um, uh, player and uh, all the rest of it. What did you think? I thought up to then, Ake had a very good game. Yeah, he yeah. um, he not done not a put foot wrong. And, and to be fair to him, um, I, I think Rodri sold him a bit of a hospital pass yeah. um, in that situation. Mm-hmm. What did you but, reckon, Ray? Um, oh, okay. As, from what I saw last season, I didn't. Th- he's another one I don't think will make it at City. I think he's too one-footed. He's too left-footed. Everything he, you know, he wants on his left foot, and I think that's that's a problem. He miscontrolled it. Yes, the pass might not have been that good from from uh, Rodri, but he could have let that roll on a bit more if he was more confident in his right foot. He could have let that ball roll on a, a couple more yards. And then first time pass it to the keeper. No problem. Uh, not under any pressure. But he tried to control it. Maybe not control it very well. 
got his feet mixed up then, and he got robbed, and then he brought the player down. I, I, you know, we've had VAR for a few years now, and, and why players are still fouling in the box, giving away a penalty, I don't understand because, you know, I would suggest 90% of, let's say, penalties are given. You're not going to get away with hardly anything these days. So why take the risk? Let the guy have a shot and, and see if he can score. And that's it. Just leave it at that. Um, so, yeah, I, I was disappointed. And I, I, I'll repeat, I don't think he'll ever make it. I don't think he's 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 not two-footed enough and he's not going to be what we need in that position, a, a left-sided centre-back. He's not going to be calm enough. Uh, I don't want to say he's going to be another Mangala, but I just don't think he's going to be calm enough on the ball. Uh, and he's not going to give us the passing range that we're getting, we get with Laporte, for instance. It's a totally different kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. So up steps Iheanacho, gives the keeper not much uh, chance. Uh, Colin, what was your overriding feeling? Were you kind of thinking, well, like a lot of uh, fans, well, at least we got spared um, the, the the penalty shootout where, you know, you know we, we, we know what City are like at penalties. Um, and uh, Stefan is not, um, I, I don't think, a specialist penalty uh, saver, uh, as far as I can tell. Um, were you a bit relieved that that was the end of it? Uh, well, partly, because that's what I put on Twitter. At least we've been saved um, having to watch five embarrassing City penalties. But, of course, you know, we joke about these things. But we um, when was the last time we lost a penalty shootout? That's true. Um, so, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, we can laugh about these things. But um, I, I, I don't think we deserve to win that, particularly. Leicester mm-hmm. were the better team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ray, I think the conclusion really is that City were undercooked and Leicester were just uh, much more assimilated. Absolutely can't argue with that um, a judgment of yours, Mike. Yep. OK, well, there's not too much more uh, to talk about. But so uh, let's move on to other things. We've got some interesting uh, news. Uh, I'm going to ask the guys to comment on it. Um uh, the, the the one thing is that Sergio Aguero is out for ten weeks apparently um, with an injury, and uh, other news from uh, Barcelona, obviously Lionel Messi uh, leaving, uh, even though that they thought that they had a five-year contract lined up, um, they 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 can't they can't afford it, and and, and uh, of course you saw the chairman uh, come out there and uh, basically put the blame on. Uh, Javier Tebas with these um, salary caps. Um, very unexpected, Ray. Yeah, but as, as Colin has said in the past, it's, it's actually one of the good things they do in, in Spain. You know, when everybody else is looking backwards of what has happened, you know, FFP looks back. Not many places or leagues look forwards and they're looking forwards and saying, you know, can you afford your wages? Uh, they're t- basically saying, you know, because your incomes drops a lot, your wages have to drop, um, so you you can afford afford them basically. And Barcelona's are way way too high. Um, they're in that crazy situation where they've offered contracts to players, but they can't register them to play until they get the wages down uh, below a certain level. So they've got Sergio Aguero, who they've you know he's got a contract. They're paying him. But they can't register him. Same with the thing with um, who else have they got? Memphis Depay, 
Same with, I think, Eric Garcia and Messi. And I think they just realised they're never going to get it, the numbers right for Messi. Even if these players offer to play for free, they can't register them. Um, I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing for Barcelona. I mean, if you think about it, if they knew Messi was going to stay, well, why didn't you offer him a new contract last year? If, you, if they'd given him a 12-month extension before the season finished, then there's no problem. Yeah, they would, they would, you know, there was still a problem with the wages, but he would have still been registered. So that's a, a crazy thing. Um, and they could be in that situation where they've got these players, they're paying them. They might be paying Aguero 100 grand a week not to play because they can't register him. Same with Depay, same with everybody else they've got. So they might be shelling out 200, 250 grand a week on players that can't even play for them. So it's, it's, it's their own doing uh, as well because you've got to plan for strange occurrences. You've got to have a contingency plan. And they didn't plan. I mean, all right, you could argue no one could plan for something like uh, a pandemic where you've got no crowds for more than one season. No one can plan for this, and that's true. But you've got to have some plans um, for a, a sudden shortfall of income, which is what this is, uh, and, and that stuffed them. So, you know, it's, it's poor fiscal control uh, on their part. It's actually good fiscal control, you could argue, on the La Liga's part. Uh, and uh, Barcelona come a cropper. And then you also think, well, you know, Real Madrid are not splashing the cash. They haven't got the cash to splash, I, I don't think. They want Mbappe. They can't get him. I think they'll just ask him to wait another 12 months uh, before they get him on a free next summer. So it, it's tough times all over Europe. And uh, as usual, you know, everybody's pointing the finger, first of all, at England and at City and at PSG. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, issue here, Colin, is I'm looking at pictures of uh, Romelu Lukaku, who is um, splashed all over uh, Daily Mail sport. He appears to be holding a J- Chelsea uh, shirt, uh, having completed his medical. He used to play for them, of, of course, um, but um, he's uh, pretty much certain to rejoin them. What, did you, what do you think about that one? Well, uh, yeah, um, they need a striker, don't they? And that makes them even more dangerous, I think, next season. And, um, you know, Lukaku, I mean, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because he never struck you as a world-class centre-forward, particularly. Mm-hmm. But um, they paid over 100, what, 100 million euros for him, 97 million quid or something. So they must see something there. And, and you know... Sometimes players are late developers a little bit, aren't they? And uh, the thing is, Colin, he did all right at West Brom. He did he did well at West Brom. He did well at Everton. Yeah, he's always he done did. well. But I mean, it's, it's a different United, level, he isn't did it? Poorly when you think he, he would he should have excelled at United. It was yeah. you know there he ended up doing poorly, and at Inter he's done well again. So you know, obviously the problems at Man United. <laughs> well, well, one thing to say. Well, yeah, you know, they've got that. They've got that tactical, strategic genius, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, mar- uh, managing them. Uh-huh. Signed up for another five years, is it? Or three years? Um, yep. Yeah. Ray, I'm also looking at video footage of a player who is now back in training. It's Harry Kane. Um, you know, well, where do you think we stand on that one? <laughs> you can look at this any way you want. There's so many different ways. Um, I think my feeling is Harry Kane has 
agreed a, a deal with City months ago. Okay, he wouldn't have come out in May and said the things he said. Uh, I don't think unless he had a deal, uh, an agreement lined up um, with the club that he wanted to go to. So I think that the finances and all that, the, you know, terms, that's not going to be an issue. The issue is whether you get the right money into Daniel Levy's uh, hands and that he's, he's happy with. I think City, uh, I'm just going to put some numbers out there. City will be looking around the 120 mark. Spurs want 150. They're not getting more than that. I'm hoping that they'll, it's difficult that they might agree about 120, 125 million uh, without players going the other way, unless it's someone like Ben Mendy, then I'm quite happy uh, for us to pay 130 million and send Ben Mendy the other way rather than just pay 125 million cash, if you work that one out. Um, so I, I think this is slightly more than 50-50 in City's favour now. We need that striker. You know, I think as some wag on Twitter said, um, this was Pep's nod to the board by, by this pathetic performance, especially <laughs> in second sense, uh, to, to buy a, a striker. I don't know who that wag was, Colin. But... Um, <sighs> <laughs> um, but but it's true, you know. Look, I I, I think we are more likely to get him than not, especially if you believe the the the, the story that Spurs put a massive bid in for Lautaro Martinez from Inter. Yeah, sixty million. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think the way it could work out is there's no way Levy's going to let um, uh, Kane go before the game against Spurs, which is next weekend. There's no chance. And I actually think what he might do is hang on until the end of the window and a couple of days before the end of the window let Kane go to City once he's not been available for the next two games as well so you know we have three games I think before the window closes and Kane wouldn't be able to play in any of them and I think that from Levy's point of view that's you know the most spiky spiteful thing you can do to City it's just not allow Kane to, to come to City settle down a little bit uh, before you know, we need him, and we need somebody. We saw with Torres, you know, Torres was pretty much non-existent. He was anonymous. He was the invisible man um, uh, at Wembley, and, and so you know, we, we're, we're in a, a tough spot. You know, uh, season's about to start. We're undercooked. Most of our players and first-team players are not there, or have only just arrived today. Um, you know, and we've got a, a tough start to the season. And if in, in, in any way that Daniel Levy can hurt us, I think he'd be, you know, that'll bring a smile to his face to know that he's putting us through the ringer because we want, you know, if we're going to get him, we want him as soon as possible. But I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly better than 50 50 that Kane will join. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did get an interesting little glimpse, uh, Colin, of uh, how um, opposing team's chairman tried to noble us because there was a report in the athletic that uh Perslow, who was who's the um the chairman of, of of villa um actually tried to shop jack grealish to manchester united and real madrid rather than sell him sell him to us did you read that well i read it um i don't know how much credence to to put on it um we apparently get on very well the, the villa villa are owned by American Egyptian, yeah, uh, no, an American and an Egyptian joint owner. Um, apparently, we uh, our ownership has a good relationship with the Egyptian side of the ownership. Um, uh, it, it's more likely it's out of them to get more money. Mm. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, I think that's everything that I've got on my 
little piece of paper. Are there any other issues, guys, that we could uh, touch on before um, uh, finishing off this one? Ray, you got anything? Um, not really. I can't think of anything, Mike. Mm-hmm. How about you, Colin? Uh, well, I'm thinking about uh, Leo Messi. Uh, I think we, we touched on it before. Obviously, he's he's become a victim of Barcelona's need to drastically reduce its expenditure on players. And, and people talk about the wage bill, but my understanding is it's wages plus amortisation and even the wages of some of the senior non-playing staff. So, you know, um, people like the chief medical officer, the CEO, the director of football, those wages would be included. And of course, youth players. So it's much more than the wage bill, I think, they've got to reduce. And finally, it's become impossible for Messi to do that. And, um, you know, there was talk that he was going to sign for PSG over the weekend. That hasn't come off as yet. But, you know, it's... Um, but well, my view is, I've got, I've got a bit criticised for this, but if Barcelona are in a mess, Messi has to take his share of the blame for that. Yes, he is <coughs> who he is. Yes, he brings a vast amount of commercial income in. But... The problem is um, players don't operate in a vacuum. And I always tell the story of back in 2010 when uh, the reports were that Wayne Rooney had put a transfer request into United. Uh, and and I, I won't go into the details of that at the moment, but I, I have a strong suspicion that was a, a clever setup to increase United's maximum wage ceiling. Uh, and Rooney apparently doubled his wages on the back of that. Now, OK, if that's a one-off... He's the only one doing that. That's fine. But the problem is um, a, a lot of players have highest played, highest paid player contracts in their highest played, highest paid player clauses in their contract. We'll get there in the end. And that doesn't mean they have to be the highest paid player. It means they have to have parity <laughs> with the highest paid players. So if Wayne Rooney was on X, uh, Paul Scholes had to be on X and Rio Ferdinand had to be on X and, and so on. And of course, once Rooney doubled his money, then money. And of course, all the guys who were on half of what Rooney was on, they all doubled the money. So these things don't happen in a vacuum. And apparently Messi, for all his professed love for Barcelona, was always tapping him up for more and more money. Now, he's, he, he himself is worth it, as I've always said. He brings in a lot of commercial income. But, you know, it's... Um, you know, something doesn't. Something it, it does leave a bit of a sour taste, and he. You know, there's no point crying over a situation that he has helped bring about himself. He insisted on them bringing in Neymar. And there's another story in the athletic. No, it wasn't in the athletic. It was in the Financial Times. Uh, excellent story about how um, Barcelona just didn't care how much they paid. They went to buy um, Usman Dembele, uh, and they were their budget was 80 million euros. And they walked in the room and, and the, um, who was he playing for? A German club? Dortmund. Dortmund, Dortmund yeah. Uh, said, you know, either you pay what we want or we walk, we're going home in, a, in an hour. Uh, and basically they coughed up double the money. You know, 140 million euros for Coutinho. Was C Coutinho worth it? Absolutely not. I mean, he doesn't play there. But they're stuck with them. They're stuck with Dembele. They're stuck with Coutinho. Uh, they've got Griezmann, who really hasn't set the world on fire. Uh, and those three alone account apparently for over 140 million euros of that 200 million. The, the problem is as well, Colin, they're trying to push players out and the players won't leave. And that's the only way they can get the wage bill down. Yeah. So someone like Umtiti, 
And, you know, they're trying to put, I think even they're trying to get Griezmann out. They want to get players out yeah. either on loan or even give them away with, with a year or two left of the contract and see you can go for free. But, and some players say, we're not going, we're not going to leave for free. Um, you know, even though I might get a, a signing on bonus somewhere else, I'm going to give up what, you know, 15 million euros that I'm earning with you. Somebody else will only give me seven. So I'm going to stick it out. And the, the players are, uh, are quite well within their rights to stick it out for as, uh, as long as they can and, and wait for Barcelona to pay them off. Mm. Well, yeah, and the other thing uh, which um, you struck me was uh, there, there was an article about City somewhere. I can't remember where it was. might have been Forbes magazine. But, but it, it made a very good point. We often criticise City for selling players cheaply. We say, you know, why are we let him go for 10 million when we could have got 15 million? Um, but one of the reasons is that they're probably on higher wages. So when you've got a player like that, um, the buying club has only got a certain budget. So we'll quite often let players go for uh, lower fees than we might have been able to get. But obviously that allows the buying club to um, pay them wages that they used to. So, um, you know, that's another, when we say that, so that's another reason, you know, with Barcelona, I suspect, that that's going to be a similar issue. You know, give them away for nothing just to get the wage off the books, as you say. Yeah. Well, if you remember Tosin and Adarbayo, he was on, I think, 25 grand a week. You know, you don't you don't get kids, academy players at other clubs on 25 grand a week, unless you're at Chelsea or City or Man United. The top clubs do pay well over the odds. Um, you know, kids somewhere else might be on two grand a week, three grand a week, and that's it. And City, they're on 25, 30 grand a week. Um, one of the reasons was it Sancho left because he wanted 50 grand a week or something uh, and he wants to play. Um, and so you're right, Colin, clubs just can't afford, you know, Leeds can't afford to pay Jack Harrison what he wants in terms of wages and a huge um, salary. And, and I've said it before, I think most of these prices are low when we do a, a loan to buy because we're expecting to sell them. We, know, we want yeah. to make it. Uh, enticing to the club um, to, to take that deal on. Like Pedro Porro is going to go for less money than he's worth simply because, you know, we put it in, I think he might end up going for 8 million where, you know, these clubs are willing to pay 20 or 25. You look at Angelino when we sold him for about six, five or 6 million euros and we had that clause to buy him back. So we did. We sold him for peanuts and, you know, and, and when we sold him the second time, I think it was 18 million euros and actually clubs were willing to pay 25 million euros for him. So we the thing is, it's part of our business model. We need to sell these yes. to get uh, profits in the accounts to, to deal with financial fair play. And we don't, I don't think we want to spend our time haggling over two or three million euros with a club uh, to get the, the right value. We don't want, you know, we want the business that we've done now, Illich, gone, bang. Harrison gone bang, you know, um, Lucas Demetri gone bang, really quick. Yes, we might have got a little bit more if we'd pushed uh, and held on for uh, later in the window. But what we've done is we've got the deals done quickly. We know what's going to come in and we can budget on the back of that. What you don't want to be doing is going right to the death in the window just to get an extra two or three million euros here and there. Um, and if, if it ends yeah. up with a couple of players don't leave in, uh, don't end up leaving, and you end up knackering yourself on financial fair play, you, someone's going to be biting the bullet. That's right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's all about, you know, getting the, the profit on the bottom line, isn't it? And, and, and as everyone has said, when they're criticising over Grealish, we've sold 
what, about £55 million pounds worth of players this season uh, in unheralded deals, really. Harrison and Angelino and Nemecha, uh, Illich. And, and that that pays for half Jack Grealish's fee. I mean, it, no, it pays for three three years of Grealish's amortisation. Oh, Pep said at the press conference didn't yeah. the other day, he said... You know, we couldn't afford it, but we sold the players. We got sixty million in, and we only had to pay forty million for Jack Grealish because we sold all these other players. Um, yeah, and that's how you do it. And we still got more to sell. So um, I don't think we're as uh, as skint as Pep makes out. Well, uh, no, he's not. He's not going to come out and say, "Yeah, we got loads of money. We're just going to rip off." Especially when Daniel Levy is listening in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I think Daniel Levy knows, knows the score. There is one other thing, you know, if, you, if you've got time, Mike. Yes. It's, it's um, this thing that Man City have done by um, putting the tickets, uh, the season cards, electronic. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you've got any thoughts on that, Colin. Well, yes, I have got a lot of thoughts. I mean, the club have been talking about this for quite a while. So well before COVID came along, um, they were talking about digital ticketing. Now, I have no issue with that whatsoever. No issue with technology because there are potentially a lot of benefits that can be gained from it. But what my issue is, is the way they've done it. So uh, the rumour is, uh, and I've no confirmation of this, that the Premier League have mandated that digital ticketing uh, will be, well, mandated, it will be mandatory, therefore, from next season onwards, 2022-23. I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, But so obviously we're building up to that. But to me, the problem is you can't introduce it in a big bang because s- stuff like this, you need time to let settle in. You need to understand. Yeah, I work in IT, as I've said before. I work in a senior level in IT. I work on large government systems. Uh, and there's no way we'd rush something in um, across every, you know, across every product line, uh, every um, user user access point without testing it thoroughly because the government insists on the, the, the governance being in place, that, that you've done everything right. I don't think City have done enough testing on this. I don't think they've understood enough news cases. There's, there's certainly a lot of evidence that uh, if, if they've migrated tickets to a new system, they've made a horrendous mess of it. So uh, typical stories I've heard are um, people are getting the wrong names against the wrong supporter number. They're getting kids tickets. Uh, mixed up with adults' tickets. I heard yeah. one case tonight that a season ticket holder who auto-renewed, he got his renewal confirmation email, didn't get his email to download his season card, rang up support services, who told him he deferred his card. So they sold his seat. <laughs> they did that with me, Colin. They, my kids, I deferred their season cards and I renewed mine. And, uh, what's it, and I only found out City's mistake when they um, sent me a, 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 an email to tell my son that they were going to start taking the direct debits next month for his renewed season card. I thought, hang on, what, what the heck's going on here? And then it was only when I called them, I found out that they'd, they'd completely wiped me out um, and given it to my son. And I, I wouldn't have complained if they'd let me go on, on my son's ticket because I'd have saved uh, <laughs> a bit of money. But there's been mistakes, and, and you know, like you say, I used to work for a company, an IT company that did stuff for the government, and you know, I mean, they, they were crap. Uh, but there was always mistakes going on. Nothing ever worked. 
first there time. There always be mistakes. Yeah, I mean it's IT, isn't it? and you know we expect some things to go wrong. But um, I say I'm not against the technology. There are some advantages to it. So with digital ticketing, you can move your ticket to uh, anyone on your friends and family list at the touch of a button. Um, uh, you know, and that's a good thing to have. But there are disadvantages, and, and some of the disadvantages are we have an older fan base, and um, many of them don't have the smartphone technology. A friend of mine, um, you know, not not um, decrepit by any stretch, he has an old iPhone that doesn't support um, near field communication NFC, which you need. Um, there are lots of people who don't have email addresses. Um, and, and to me, it's not been thought through properly. I, I have no problem with the club rolling it out. Roll it out to, um, to 10, 12,000 people, then sort out the problems while, while it's a, a you know, limited um, impact. Why couldn't they have offered um, the choice you can have digital or for this season, we're going to give, offer you both. Next season, it's going to di- all digital. So we're giving you 12 months to get ready and yeah. get yeah, 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 and that's what Everton have done effectively. Yeah, they, they've they've given their supporters a choice, but they've charged them extra to have a card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and interestingly, Fortress GB, who supply the system, uh, they also have a smart card option. Uh, and and I say it's not. Say it again. I'm not averse to the technology. I'm not a luddite. A working technology. You know, I'm dealing with one of the biggest transformation programs um, ever undertaken. Uh, so so you know, it's not. It's not about the technology, it's about the way you implement it. And um, I hope, obviously, that the Everton game, there were problems, there were significant problems. It, it wasn't a complete fiasco, as some people are saying, but there were a significant number of problems. And when you multiply that by five, there's going to be a lot more problems. Uh, you know, let's talk about checking COVID status. Well, you're going to have to get to the game on Thursday morning to get, you know, for a Saturday three o'clock kickoff. Um so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, and I think the club haven't really haven't really thought about it. They've just gone ahead and done it. For me, there's a lot of risk there, which is why I've gone print at home because mm-hmm. you know there's always risks. You know that if the system doesn't work, it doesn't matter whether you got a phone or a, a barcode on your print at home ticket. Uh, if the system falls down, you can't get in a particular uh, entrance. But for me, I've reduced some of the risk elements until it's until I'm clear that it works properly, and then I'll happily embrace it. There are a couple of other quick points, Mike, I've uh, just Mm -hmm. remembered. Excuse me. It's been reported today that John Stones has agreed a new five-year contract at City. That's right, yeah. £250,000 a week. Um, Obviously, you remember John Stones. Last summer, he was tied out. He was supposed to be offered to Spurs for um, a season on loan and then £20 million. Um, would have been the final price, really cheap. He's he decided not to go because basically his family are in the north and he wanted to stay that here. Um, and he made his position his own, you know, that that uh, centre back spot again. Um, I think apparently the club said to him, "You have to sign your new contract because you've only got twelve months to go by the thirtieth of June." Um, so, but that's been that's come out today. And the other thing, one that came out where a few of us were worried. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this, the Jack Grealish unveiling. And uh, quite a few older fans were concerned that we were going to be you know, made to look like mugs again um, on, on a Monday night, five, was it five o'clock on a Monday night when obviously older fans are at work. Um, and 
the significant threat of heavy rain, people were worried that not many fans would come out to support. Come on, Jack it's Manchester rain. When does yeah. it rain? <laughs> but the thing is, I was there four years ago now, I think, when Riyad Mahrez signed, and there was there was about two hundred people. It wasn't massive. And it was a pretty damp squib, if you, if you ask me. And I reported on it at the time, and I said it, it it didn't go down too well with you know season tide holders for, for various reasons. But I think, and and then you got was it Kevin Maguire? Was he the one who put out a, a picture um, where there was only two, uh, from Jack Grealish unveiling when there was, was only about two hundred fans. But that was more than an hour before the guy was turning up. You know. <laughs> Um, when he actually turned up, I, I think there would have been about five or six times that, so probably you know seven, eight hundred thousand fans, whatever. It was a decent turnout, um, which I think has saved us from a bit of embarrassment. But you know what the media are like; they shoved that picture that was taken more than an hour before the unveiling. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I think we'll leave it there. Um, I don't know about you, listeners, but uh, after this particular pod, I'm off to consult with my own employer to find out if I have a highest paid uh, professor uh, clause in my contract and uh, see if I can uh, negotiate one if, if there isn't but <laughs> we'll uh, we'll leave it there uh, guys and uh, thank the two chaps for their contribution for this pod uh, thank you very much Colin Savage oh it's a pleasure as always and glad to be back in the uh, swing of things indeed and thank you very much Ray Oh, yes. Uh, thank you as well, guys. And I, I, like Colinga said, I'm happy to get back into it and just waiting for that first game this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, so the next game will be against Tottenham. You won't probably see uh, Harry Kane there, um, except if he's maybe in the crowd or possibly on the bench. But uh, hopefully we might see him in blue in the future. Here's hoping. We'll stop here for now and finish off in the normal way, guys, by saying have one on us. And up those blues.